Mac Power Users, Episode 115, The Geek Gift Guide. Hello, everyone. This is David Sparks, and along with me is my pal, Katie Floyd. Hi, Katie. Hey, David. Are you feeling festive? I'm feeling a little bit festive. I've I've got my annual winter cold. It always happens a little bit around the holiday time. So hopefully now it was in plenty of time to be gone for the holidays. So I apologize if I sputter through the show a little bit. Well, you've been hanging out in shopping malls for the last couple of weeks, Katie? Uh, well, I've been hanging out right here in front of my computer, clicking the buy now button. And the UPS guy has been bringing me a lot of stuff. So maybe if he had a cold, I could have gotten it that way. Now, you were telling me you weren't shopping with your mom and stuff. You were going out, weren't you? Oh, I did. That's true. I did. I did occasionally go out shopping with my mom. I, I, I have bought one thing this year, not online. I bought a picture frame for somebody. And that has been the only gift thus far that I bought not online this year. Yeah. So far, I've done all my online shopping, uh, all my shopping online. But for my wife, I'll be uh, going out and braving the, the crowds. I've got some ideas that are going to require me to go somewhere. But that's not, that's not what we're here for today. We're here to talk about Geek Gift Guides. So this is a show we, we really talked about doing last year, and we just didn't ran out of time at the end of the year. And I'm really glad we have time to do it this year. And the idea behind it was we're both you know big nerds, and we have some really cool geeky gifts that we thought would be fun. And you could listen to this for ideas to buy the geek in your life or perhaps to put on your own list for the holidays. So... Without further ado, we just picked a bunch of items and we're going to start going through them. Yeah. And, and this is kind of my outlet because I don't know about you, but I can't get my family members to buy me geeky gifts. They're they're like afraid to buy me geeky stuff. Oh, no. With me, it's not a problem. We've The geekiness has spread. So we're all into this stuff and it's a lot of fun. You know, even my wife, who I used to always say is not a geek, she's pretty much a geek now when I look around at the stuff that she's interested in. So uh, so let's start with one. And the first one I'd like to talk about, we, we've talked about in the past doing a show on home automation, and we may still do it one day, you know, bring in a professional and really like kill it. But for now, what I thought we'd do is just talk about some of my favorite home automation tools that you can easily get and implement. And the first one is something I bought for myself like six months ago. It's called the Wemo, W-E-M-O. It's made by Belkin, and it's this really nifty little switch that plugs into your wall outlet. And then it, it, then you can plug something else into it. it. It shows up on your wireless network. There's an app for it for both the iPhone and the iPad. I think there's one for Android, too. Uh, I wouldn't know, though. I'll have to look that up. Uh, but anyway, so you put this in the wall, and then it shows up on your Wi-Fi. You know, and then you give it your Wi-Fi password so it can talk to it. And then it allows you to wirelessly control that outlet. As an example, I've got my Christmas lights plugged into one of these Wemos. And in addition... Like inside the house or outside the house? No, well, the, the, the cord is in the garage and okay. that sneaks outside. So the Wemos plugged inside in the garage, connected to my wireless network. And then using the app on my iPhone or the iPad, I can turn the lights off or on. But it gets much better than that because they also have the whole thing connected to If This Then That, which we've talked about several times on the show and we're big fans of. So If Then Then That is a really cool – it's ifttt.com. It's a really cool set of really pipes where you can say if something happens, then make something else happen. Well, 
you can. Yeah, we did a we did a whole show on on automation. We we covered if this then that and and Yahoo pipes and stuff like that. Exactly. So you can connect your Wemo switch to if this then that. For instance, you could say if somebody tweets lights on, then your lights turn on. But don't try that because that's not really my my pipe. My pipe is when the sun goes down. You know, it looks at where I live and the internet knows when it becomes dusk and then turn the lights on. So when it gets dark, my Christmas lights turn on. And then I think at nine 30 or something, they turn off automatically, but you could also have it say, turn them off when, you know, I go to bed and I throw a switch or turn them off when I send an email or a text message, you can do anything you want with if then, then that, but if you don't want to go that far with it, you can just turn it off with your phone. You just look at it and it says lights and you press the button on the app and the lights go off. Um, it's $50 for one of these Wemos. I, I bought two of them. I'm giving them away to some of my family members who I know are going to really dig this stuff. And I think that's going to be a really cool gift. Now, if you want to supercharge it, you can get the Wemo motion switch. And so that's a separate device that plugs in as well. And it's a motion sensor and it gives you all the options that you would have with the motion sensors. For instance, you could say, turn on the lights when, you know, there's motion in the room. So when you walk in the room after opening the door, the lights will just turn on. Um, again, this will plug into if this, then that. So if there is motion in this room, uh, send me a text message, which would be nice if you had pets and you wanted to keep them out of a certain room or something like that. There's just a lot of options with this stuff. And if you want to go nuts with it and put a couple of them in your house, it's a really easy way to automate uh, what's going on at your house. Totally manageable by you without having to bring in somebody professional. You don't have to do any special wiring. Just plug the things in and have a working Wi-Fi network. And just to make so this just, works for stuff specifically that plugs in, like a lamp that plugs in, or the the example they've got on their website is a curling iron. Like, oh my gosh, I leave the curling iron plugged in. Yeah, and I'm not really sure about the whole thing with the appliances. I mean, would you want your appliances on a Wemo? I guess if you really were that manic and worried that you'd left it turned on, that would give you away like a, a kind of like a kill switch on it. Um, I use it mainly for lamps and like Christmas lights and things like that. Uh, I haven't really thought about you know plugging one into the toaster or the coffee machine, uh, but you never know. But this is something anybody could do, and and I really like it because it just works on your Wi-Fi network. Now, you don't have to be connected to your Wi-Fi network to control these things. You can be out in the world because you know using the three G network, it'll go through and send a signal and it'll turn them off. Often when I'm I have one in my bedroom, and I turn the lights on because you know have the room light up as I'm coming into it. Uh, my kids think it's really funny because when I'm home working and they're driving home from somewhere, they start flashing the lights off and on with their Wemo We're apps. here. We're here. Well, no, they aren't even here. They're like five minutes away. And I don't know what they're trying to do. They're just messing with me. But, you know, so there's a there's a dark side to this. <laughs> but uh, it's really fun. You know, if you want to do some home automation uh, the Wemo is really pretty fun and adding if this, then that's like the power tip because there's so much you can do with if this, then that, you know, if somebody, you know, likes you on Facebook, you turn the lights on, you know, it sounds stupid, but it's kind of fun to play with those types of things. Yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to think of applications of when I could use this, but I don't have that many things that plug in. I, I have a couple of lamps, but not stuff that I use regularly. I could see, you know, using this kind of thing. And I know they've had fancy timers, like when you're out of town and nobody's home and you want to turn on a light in your living room to make it look like somebody's there. 
I, I could see it using it for, for that kind of thing. I definitely see using it for the Christmas lights type of thing, although my Christmas lights plug in outside, so I don't know I don't know that I'd want to put one of these outside. Well, I mean, that, reach my wife I know another advantage is if you pull in the driveway and you just want to turn the lights on inside your house before you go in. Yeah, but none of my regular lights are are on lamps or are, are on plug-ins. Well, but, you're, just, but you're, I, you're just too cool, Katie. I, I I'm so. saying this yeah. is pretty neat if you want to check it out. I, I think it is. I, I, I definitely see some advantages for it. I think my sister's using one with her cat feeder. I only, First of all, the fact that she has a powered cat feeder bothers me a little bit. But somehow when she's in New York, she can push some button to make something happen in Southern California with her cats. And I'm not sure I want to go any further than that. And and if her her internet goes down, her cats don't eat. Then she calls me probably, and I end up driving to her house. Okay, all right. The Wemo. Well, it looks interesting. I just you, added you it don't to my sound Amazon very sold to me. You don't sound I, very sold to me. I'm sold enough. I added right. it to my gift list on Amazon. Okay, your turn. My turn. I, I'm going to stick with the house. Does that work? Yeah. We'll keep with the theme. I think we'll keep with the theme for our next few ones. This is probably my number one thing on my wish list this year, but I don't really can't really figure out if I need one. And so maybe you can tell me because I think you have one. And that's the Nest thermostat. I I got a new house last year and it's just like, okay, I have a high tech house. I've got it. It's all wired. I've got Apple TVs. I've got TiVos. I've got wireless network. I've got, you know, Ethernet cable everywhere. I've got wireless printers. I mean, my house is, I mean, not crazy decked out, but I mean, of all the people that have techie stuff in their house, I need a techie thermostat, right? I mean, how cool does that thing look on the, I need to be able to control my thermostat wirelessly. Well, you you haven't even said what it is yet. Okay. The Nest, the Nest learning thermostat is a is a is a thermostat that supposedly will will learn your patterns. It's a smart thermostat and it's really, really cool looking and it will connect to your your wireless network. And what it does is it will figure out it will figure out is somebody home, is somebody in this room and and it will adjust the temperature accordingly and figure out based on how you how you how you set the temperature what your habits are. And at at night when you go to bed you tend to like it a little cooler. During the day, you tend to like it a little warmer. So it'll, it'll learn your habits and then it will become smart and it will figure out how to control the temperature itself based on your habits, the time of day, and whether or not somebody's home. And then you can also hook it up to your Wi-Fi network and control the thermostat from your iPhone or from your iOS device or from the internet. And if you're not going to be home, turn the heater, the, the AC off. Or turn it on, you know, an hour before you get home so that your house warms up or cools down before you get home. Yeah, that was my Father's Day gift this year. I got the first generation Nest thermostat. And um, now they have the second generation one out. And I can say that I just love this thing. Uh, it's not cheap. It's 250 bucks. So you got to, you know, decide whether or not you want to go there or not. But uh, it is everything Katie said. We use it a lot. You know, living in Southern California, people don't realize that Southern California is basically a desert, except for the fact that we bring so much water in from other places. And it gets really hot here in the summer, but we don't want to run the air conditioner all the time because it gets really expensive and it uses a lot of power that we don't need to use, et cetera. But let's say we're out of the house all day and we start driving home. Well, we can use the Nest to turn the air conditioning on when we're an hour away. And by the time we get home, the house is really nice and cooled off and it's it's really nice. Uh, same thing works for the heater. Uh, it, 
it's not just an option to hook it up to the internet though. I mean, you plug the, your Wi-Fi password in as soon as you install it and, and you can install it yourself, by the way, it comes with everything you need. I installed mine. It took like 30 minutes if you're at all, you know, electrically inclined. The, now here's uh, the question I have about the nest. I, I have a programmable thermostat. So my, my thermostat isn't one of those dumb little levers that you move back and forth, depending upon whether you want it warmer or cooler in your house. I've actually programmed mine Okay, Monday through Friday, I want the temperature to be this, you know, this um, from this time to this time, and this is when I go to work. So, you know, uh, it, it's almost always AC here in Florida. So, you know, don't turn on the AC from this time to this time because I'm not here, and this is the time that I return. So, at at you know six thirty, cool down the house again to to seventy eight degrees, and then I like it a little cooler when I go to bed. So, at ten o'clock, I want you to cool it down to seventy six degrees, and then. At 7 o'clock in the morning, you can cut the air back and you can run it up to 80, 84, 85 degrees because I'm going to be gone during the day. And for me, being a single person living by my, at home, I have a very set schedule. There's almost never anybody here during the day, during Monday through Friday work hours, and it's incredibly predictable. And that works well for the programmable thermostat because it, you know, it raises the temperature when I'm not here. It lowers the temperature when I'm supposed to come home and... Yeah, it's, I get it. But it works. So, you, so to get to your question, you're going to say, "Does it save you any money?" Right. Is is what's the nest going to do for me? Other, I, I than don't look, think it'll do anything wall. for you. I, I think you're probably going to be doing just fine with what you've got. My house is a little crazier. I got a bunch of people running around, and sometimes they're here, and sometimes they're not, and sometimes uh, teenagers and younger kids don't remember to turn off the air conditioner when they leave, but the nest actually realizes when the house is empty and turns itself off. So. It's giving me some savings. I don't know. Am I getting $250 savings a year on it? I don't know. Looking at the bills from July on, which is basically when I installed it, uh, it's they're slightly less than last year, but maybe it wasn't as hot either. <laughs> it's you know I don't have enough variables under my control. Uh, it does probably save something, but I just like the ability to turn it off and on and and it's really nice. You know, another nice thing about it is the display. You know, it's made by Tony Fidel, so it has a lot of Apple roots. That's the guy behind the original iPod. Had a lot to do with it. He was a big mucky muck at Apple until he left. So, uh, you know, it's got a really nice design aesthetic, and they really use a lot of the kind of Apple philosophy about making a great product. I mean, even just a little screwdriver in the box is very nice. I kept it. Now I'm using it for other things. Um, so it's just a really nice product and the screen is really large. I mean, one of the things I didn't like with the old thermostat and we had a really dumb thermostat, it was the one with the little levers you just moved. And this thing is great because it's a really big display. You can see it from across the room and as goofy as that sounds, I, that's a nice feature for me too. Well, even if it didn't save me money, if, if it would just keep me net even, if it would it'd be able to figure out my schedule and work just as well as my current thermostat did, I think for 250 bucks, the ability to control it when I'm away and the coolness factor would be worth it to me. Yeah, we're, we're actually, this is another gift we're giving this year. Um, uh, me and a couple of relatives are going together for another person that we all know and love, for, uh, who's a geek. We're going to get him a nest and I'm sure he's going to go nuts with it. I think his wife's yeah, I, a little worried. She thinks he's going to be like turning it off and on on her all the time, which is a distinct possibility. I thought I was going to get one when it was on the Black Friday ad for Lowe's this year. And and then my dad was all excited and my mom explained to him that he was not allowed to go shopping for me this year because she'd already had it covered. 
So, yeah. Oh, well. Well, so it's called the Nest, and it really is, it's just a cool thermostat if you're into that stuff. I mean, I did, I never was really that interested in thermostat technologies. I mean, that's kind of an interesting side topic. You know, we're so into these Macs and things like that, and we're always up to date on them. But, for instance, my refrigerator is ancient, and I'll replace it when I absolutely have to. And all the people we make fun of that use really old computers, well, that's my philosophy about refrigerators. And until I got this nest, that was my philosophy about uh, thermostats. I just used the one I had, but this one is really a nice upgrade uh, though. I have the generation one. When I heard the generation two came out, I had no desire at all to replace the generation one with the next generation. This is just fine. In fact, the uh, software upgraded in it for me. So I get the advantage of the new software on the older generation hardware. And I don't imagine I'll be replacing it for a long time. But if you want to go crazy with your thermostat, I think you couldn't go wrong with the Nest. Okay. That ended up sounding like my pick, though. It did sound like your pick. Because something you didn't have. So I had to step in for you. Had you had to tell me what it was all about. Yeah. Well, now, I want, now I want it even more. Yeah. So now I've got one that is another one that I've never played with, but I've been lusting at from afar. Keeping may, it in the house. Yeah. Maybe it'll show up in my Christmas list. And this is another really geeky home automation thing. It's these Philips Hue bulbs. Have you heard about these? H-U-E? I've heard about these. They're selling them in the Apple store now, right? Yeah. It's 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 nuts. It's like $200 for three light bulbs. Have you ever think so stupid? I mean, I don't know. But the it comes with we're, a... We're all going to be doing it before too long. You know we are. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm... I don't know if I'm going to be an early adopter on this or not. I, I think my family may have bought a set of these for me, but I'm not sure. But anyway, uh, so the idea is these are light bulbs, right? <laughs> Just light bulbs, but they're LED. Uh, and they come with like a little base station that you plug into your network. So you've got to plug it, it in. To it your looks Ethernet. about the size of an, of an airport express, right? Yeah, exactly. And it, so the, and then the, that thing communicates with the individual light bulbs. So you can control them from your phone. Uh, so it gives you the same idea as we had from the Wemo, but these are just light bulbs. Uh, but it does more than that because you can also change the, as the name implies, you can change the color of the light bulb. Uh, you can actually sample color from an image on your iPad or your iPhone, and it'll use that. Or you can have it so in the morning when the lights turn on, um, I wake up in the dark every day. So it'd be nice if the lights, instead of just going immediately on, they started and just slowly, gradually turned up over the course of five minutes. Um, so it's got all these different things you can do. Um, there's also a whole theory or technology behind the light that we see as we go through the day. Like the light in the morning should be brighter. In the evening, it should be yellower. And somebody's going to write me and talk how I'm completely botching this up. But there's a whole bunch of apps built around this for your computers. Well, you could actually program your lights in your house for that as well. Um, if you're having fun, you want to change the color. You know, like my 11-year-old CCs and she's... I can just only imagine what she would do with the lights in our house. So not only would they be turning them off and on when they're from afar, then they'd start changing them to like red or something. Why am I at, why do I want this, Katie? I don't know. Well, and I'm afraid it's the kind of thing that once you buy a couple, you got to keep buying them and that's going to get expensive. Well, I, I don't know what the, I mean, they're LED. They're supposed to last a very long time. Uh, it's very expensive to get into it because it comes with a hub. And then after that, I guess you can buy individual light bulbs cheaper. I mean, I keep hoping that Marco Arment's going to do, you know, one of his things where he goes and really reviews them in depth. He does that once in a while. He And he's written about LED lights before. So, I, you know, if he's listening, Marco, please, you know, 
be, take one for the team and figure this out for us. Light bulbs are just one of those things that scare me because I remember back when the, are they called the incandescent, the little swirly ones? Um, okay. The little spirally ones yeah. that, that replaced the. That's not the, incandescent though. No. Yeah. That's a, is it CF? Compact fluorescent. That's right. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about though. The little, the yeah. little spirally ones that replace the little old light bulbs that you're not supposed to be able to buy anymore after a couple of years. So I, I went out a couple of years ago and spent a bunch of money because I was trying to lower my utility bill and bought a whole bunch of these compact fluorescent light bulbs because I was trying to be environmentally friendly and I wanted to lower my utility bill. And somebody said, well, you really should go out and buy a whole house full of all of the same ones because you want the color to be consistent and each one has a little different, you know, a little different light pattern, a little different color to it. You can't just go replace these willy-nilly. You need to be all consistent with it. Okay, great. Went out and spent like 150 bucks on light bulbs for the entire house. So it wasn't ridiculously expensive, but you know, at, at 150 bucks for a full house full of light bulbs was, I mean, normally you'd spend like 10, 20, you know, because light bulbs are what a buck of 50 a piece or something when you buy the old, old fashioned kind. Yeah. And, uh, and they were horrible. I mean, they burned out or they partially burned out. I mean, within six months, I had to replace more than half of them, and then I had to replace them with the same junky ones, and then they kept burning out, and it was just miserable. So I'm I'm kind of down on light bulbs. I put an LED run in our room, a 60-watt LED. It's a lighting science Definity, and it was, um, it was $28 for a bulb. But I got this from Marco. Marco recommended it, and I've been using it now only six months, and it works. It's really bright. It feels like... One of the older, you know, power sucking lights, but it still lights up the room really well. So that gave me some hope for this LED technology. We'll see. Yeah, but like in, in the room that I'm recording in right now, which is my home office, which a typical guest bedroom, that's it's three bulbs in a in a light fixture that light up this room. Oh yeah. I mean, so you're talking a hundred bucks worth of bulbs just for well, just for this room. I don't know. Or two hundred and fifty if you go with the Phillips bulbs. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I, I don't know if I, I think it's an interesting thing. So check it out if that's your, if you're interested. That's more home automation though. All right. So between the Wemos, the Hues and the Nest learning system, you can really kind of get things rolling. <laughs> you can. Yeah. You can. I'm, I'm going to change course a little bit with my next pick, although it's definitely something that you'll continue to use in your home. And this is kind of one of those picks. I have multiple of these in my home and everybody needs to have at least one, if not many. And that is a battery backup unit or a surge protector. And I, I've got links to two different ones in the show notes that I use. One is a, an APC battery backup UPS. And there are a couple of different versions. You can get them for all different uh, voltage and um, is that the right term or amperage or basically all, all different kind of power, different, different outlet configurations, depending on how much battery backup time. But Every single one of my Macs is plugged into one of these these battery backup sources just because in in Florida particularly, and I don't know about your area of the woods, we just have these very momentary power flickers where random things happen. And even though my laptop's got a backup battery in it, all of the other stuff that's connected to my laptop doesn't. So just 90% of the times what it's protecting me from, I think, is what's called those brownouts, which is those little momentary power flickers. So I've got this on my computer in my office. I've got my te television equipment plugged into it. I've got another one in my guest bedroom with my Drobo because it, I don't want that to be powered down and be powered back up with all those drives in it. And then I have 
very simple because for wall mounted TVs, I had a, I had an issue. It's really hard to get a, a battery backup on a wall mounted TV. Cause you know, those are big clunky box units. So I found a really simple $10 solution from Amazon and it's called the, the Belkin surge master six outlet wall mount surge protector, because I, I still wanted to protect. I mean, if you think about what do you have plugged into a TV you know, you've probably got several hundred dollars into your TV. You've probably got some kind of set-top box. Maybe you've got, you know, two or three set-top boxes plugged into this TV. So by the time you're there, you've got potentially a thousand dollars or more worth of equipment, and you probably need more outlets. So what this does is this goes over your existing wall outlet. It gives you some additional surge protection, and it takes you from two plugs to six plugs. And it comes with a warranty. I don't know how good those warranties are that, you know, they'll say they'll give you $50,000 up to, you know, replace your equipment if your equipment gets surged while it's connected to this. I've never had to use any of those. I don't know how good that kind of stuff is. I did scan that stuff and, and save the information just in case I ever had, to, ever had to use it. But it just gives me a little bit more peace of mind knowing that all my stuff is plugged into these, either a surge protector or a battery backup. And I haven't had any problems yet. Yeah, I've got one of those too. Just the exact same one, the Belkin Surge Master. I had my my Drobo. It fried one of the drives in the Drobo. We had a power spike, which is unusual here in Southern California. But yeah, after that, I went and got one of these things. Okay, I got one for you. You know, yours are too serious, Katie. I've got a fun one. Uh, I I love I'm what I love to barbecue. I'm a Weber guy. You know, charcoal. I don't do gas. And I got, oh, I just got a gas grill this year. Oh man, you got to get charcoal. But that's oh, I guess that's, that's so really easy. That's really another podcast, but that's a whole another story. All right. So uh, two years ago, Father's Day, I got one of these eye grill thermometer. Uh, thermo, I guess it's a thermometer. You stick it in the meat, put it on the grill. It has a Bluetooth connection to your phone. So if I'm cooking, like if I'm cooking a steak, I don't need it. You know, I know how to cook a steak, but when I'm making the chicken, you want to make sure you get it hot enough. You don't want to, you know, kill your family. Same thing with fish. So uh, when I'm cooking a steak or fish, I put those grill, uh, those eye grill probes in it. It's got a nice long cord on it. You can feed it right through the little vents on the Weber. So you can shut the lid and get the benefit of that. And you know, when the meat's done, you get a little beep, go back outside, set up your grill. It's really that easy. It's a great idea. Yeah, because you got your phone on you anyway, right? Yeah. And they've got a bunch of extra features and they've got, you know, where you can put in what you're, what you're cooking. And, you know, they, the software has got a lot better in the last year. But to tell you the truth, I just use it in the most basic function. I set a temperature and it goes off when it gets there. But I can walk around and I don't burn my meat. No, that's, I think that's a great idea. I thought about getting one of these from my dad's because did I ever tell you about our Christmas Eve incident? It's got a name. It's an incident. It must've been very important. Well, my dad, my dad decided, and I don't think the, the iGrill might've saved us from this, but maybe not. So my dad decided that he was going to fry a turkey. Have you ever done that? That's really dangerous. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, it is. Um, And so he used gas to, to fry this turkey. And he ran out of gas while he was in the middle of frying this turkey. And my dad's a wanderer, which is why I think the eye grill would be really good for him because he he can't stay in one spot and watch what he's supposed to be watching, which means that our house could burn down at any given point because did, of the... Did he fry it in the house? No, he fried it on the back patio, back behind the house. Okay. That's, yeah. All right. 
But still, I mean, it was still covered by the patio that covers the house. Yeah. So he, I'm, he I'm totally freaked out by that. I mean, if you're watching yeah, this stuff on YouTube, it. I mean, it's yeah, like it's really scary. Yeah. So my dad wandered away and who knows what he did or how long he was gone. But he came back and he looked down at the turkey and the, the oil was no longer boiling. And it was like, uh oh, you know, this is uh, this is not good. I wonder how long it's been out. And he figured, well, I've only been gone about five or ten minutes. So he got a new container of gas, hooked it up. You know, turned it back on, brought it back up to a boil, and just added a few more minutes because he figured he hadn't been gone that long. So the the turkey is done, and I'm using air quotes here. And we it's my we do Thanksgiving with uh, or Christmas Eve rather with my mom's family. So this isn't his family. His family's the next day. This is with my mom's family. My mom has got the the Christmas table done. You know, she's got her Christmas china out. I mean, the whole table is set, and her entire family is sitting around the table. You know, ready to carve into the the turkey. Every you know, all of the 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 potatoes are there. The dressing is there. The everything is ready to go, and we carve into the turkey, and it is raw. I mean, it is like as raw as it can be. So he obviously had walked away for a little more than just a few minutes. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure that would have helped him the eye grill, but if he's cooking more conventionally, it would make a big difference. <laughs> Yeah, and you can so that, use it. That was, the, that was the Christmas we had chicken tenders out of the freezer for Christmas. Yeah. And we, you can use it inside the house too. I mean, those leads are great. So you know they're lined, so you can just stick it on your bird when you throw it in the oven, and you can have it monitoring the temperature inside all day. Yeah, we haven't done that again since. By the way, yeah, no. Mm-hmm. I, my my whole thing with the fried chicken, or was it the fried turkey? Is that fried the turkey. Uh, it's just so dangerous. I mean, people like put a frozen bird in there and then they like burn their house down or like, Oh, then cause it explodes. I think. Yeah. Right? It's, it's crazy. Go on YouTube and look it up someday. It's crazy. Yeah. Anyway, but you don't do that in mine. All right. So, um, my, my next thing getting, getting back to practical, um, and that is offsite backup. I've got offsite backup. You've got offsite backup. Probably most of the people listening to this podcast have some kind of offsite backup mechanism because we strongly recommend it. And as in, in addition to whatever other local backups that you're doing, whether it's time machine or clone backups or whatever it is, I really think that to have a complete backup strategy, you have to have some kind of offsite backup to component to it because, you know, wacky, weird things happen. Like maybe the, you know, the turkey goes flying through your roof and your house burns down and all of your local backups get burned down with your computer in your house. It could happen, right? Because I've seen it. You've seen it on YouTube, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Repeatedly. Repeatedly. So, And, and this is kind of one of those things that for whatever reason I've talked to my family about, do you have a offsite backup? They're like, oh, man, it's like five bucks a month. I don't want to pay five bucks a month from that. I'm like, are you kidding me? It's like 40 to 60 bucks a year. What is your problem? I mean, how expensive is that? Just go buy it. Go do it. And so a lot of these offsite backup services um, have gift cards or gift certificate or gift plans that you can buy for people. And so my offsite backup of choice is CrashPlan. I know a lot of other Mac users like Backblaze. Um, those are the two that I hear commonly recommended. But it's it's a great – it's it's cheaper than a hard drive. You know, if you were thinking I, – I saw a bunch of uh, hard drives on sale for 40 to 50 bucks during Black Friday – Offsite backup is is cheaper than getting somebody an extra hard drive, and it's it's just another layer of data protection. Yeah, it's you know there was a time when I was kind of against it because it just took so long and it was so tedious. The software's got better with all the services, and some of them will will mail you a hard drive if things go bad. And why not have another piece of backup on your 
your system. I mean, think about your pictures, you know, all your pictures or your, your home movies, I guess, cause I'm a dad, that stuff really is, is cherished to me and I can't imagine losing it. I mean, is it worth $5 a month for me to know that this stuff is in Colorado in addition to uh, California? You bet it is. And just set it and forget it, set it up for them, buy them the gift card, Christmas night, set it up. And you know, by, by new year's, they'll probably be backed up. Most people will be. Yeah. It took mine because I got one of these services that backs up both the Mac and the external drive. It took like three months to, to do the initial backup, but I've got like a terabyte I think it's or more. fair to say that you're atypical. Yeah. Well, I've got a lot of data backed up now, though. It's great. Yeah. So, All right. Well, speaking of having a lot of data, we should probably take a quick break and talk about our first sponsor for this episode, and that is Drobo. And if, if you've got a lot of data, you can throw it at the Drobo. It's okay. The Drobo will take it. I've got a Drobo configured five bays. Just, you know, whenever I, I started off with, with two one and a half terabyte hard drives, and then I started adding to it. I, I picked up another two terabyte hard drive that was on sale somewhere, popped it in there, and boom, I've got more storage. I had another 500 gigabyte hard drive that I wasn't using, popped it in there. I've got more storage. I found another another terabyte hard drive somewhere that I thought that I was using for something and I pulled it out of its case, popped it in there. Boom. I've got more storage. And before you know it, I've got my Drobo filled up. You popped a lot of drives in there, Katie. I did. I have five drives in my Drobo now and they range in size. I don't think, I think I've got two that are the same size and otherwise they range in size from 500 gigs up to two terabytes. Yeah. I got an email from a listener asking, you know, what's the big deal with Drobo and why would I recommend it? And that's really the nut of it for me is the idea. You just plug this thing in and you don't have to get a matched pair of hard drives. It doesn't have to be so scientific. You know, you can take anything you have and throw it in there. If you've got some old hard drives, you can put them in there temporarily. As they start to go bad, you can replace them with bigger ones. Like you, I've got a variety of different size drives, and I just upgrade them as I need to, as I run out of space or as I get you know, a hold of a bigger one. And there's a Drobo product for whatever your needs are. They've got, like you said, they've got the five bay standard one you can stick on and it'll go through your Thunderbolt Mac. So you'll have a really nice fast connection. They've got the one with the Ethernet, you know, that's the one both you and I use. Um, And that plugs in right at your router so you can share that data throughout your house or your office. The new Drobo Mini is really cool because it takes the laptop size, the smaller drives, and it's got... Uh, USB 3 and it's got Thunderbolt so you can plug that thing into a laptop on the road like if you're a video professional Uh, you know they're just there for you they've got a nice line of products and they all use that really smart Drobo software that onboard lets you throw any drive you have in there and make something happen yeah and you know we talked about giving someone the gift of offsite backup if Maybe you you don't have a lot of finances to spare, or maybe you 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 can't buy somebody the gift of offsite backup. This is what I'm doing with my Drobo. I've got an installation of Crash Plan running here at my house um, on my my spare Mac Mini with my Drobo connected to it, and I'm sending my Crash Plan backups to my Drobo. So I've got my mom, my dad, my brother are are backing up uh, their essential files using Crash Plan to my Mac Mini, but my Mac Mini storage source is on that Drobo. So all those files are are going to the Drobo. That's really nice. I so, I am their clown. And the nice thing about that is because because you're the family nerd. When something goes wrong, they're going to be calling you anyway. You can say, oh, "I'll just send you the file right now." Yeah, and and if I plug it into my local network, the 
the backup and the restore is a lot faster because it's not going, you know, over the internets. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Local network. So um, you can check out Drobo. Like David said, they've got products for everybody. You can find more information over at drobo.com. And thanks to Drobo for their kind support of the show. Okay, so this next one is something, again, I don't have, but I've been lusting after. I, I've been trying to talk my kids into wanting this, you know? <laughs> and uh, I just, I'm not getting any takers. It's called the Hummingbird Robotics Kit. And you can get it at hummingbirdkit.com. And it's another expensive one. It's $200. But what you get is you get a controller card and a bunch of servos and motors and sensors. You know, you get light and vibration sensors, motion sensors, uh, temperature sensors, sound sensors, all the things you need to build your very own robot. And I can't figure out what this is. What does it turn into when you're done with well, it? Well, it's up to you. You've got to build it. You know, you it's it's just the brains and the individual sensors and, and motors. But, you know, if you're going to make it out of an erector kit or I don't know if it would work so much with the Legos. But, you know, if you've got any ability to machine aluminum, for instance, you could make your own robot. I mean, what what is not to love about that? It's kind of an upgrade. I, 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 this this pick was really hard for me because I was going to recommend the Arduino because they've got those kits too. But this one's kind of a step up. It's It takes a lot of the programming and the electronic engineering out of it. It's all done. You just plug the things in and you go. Uh, but I, I think this looks like a lot of fun. If you've got a kid or if you're a kid inside, this might be one you want to try. And you, you've had the desire to build your very own robot. Why not? So this kind of does all of the brains and all of this, maybe skeleton's the wrong word, but all of the muscular system and the, the neurological system of the robot. And then, then you've got to, maybe you have to provide the muscular, the skeletal system. Of yeah, it. exactly. You've got to provide the framework. There you go. Or if you want to make a little robot car and you wanted to have a sensor on, I mean, it, it just looks really fun. I don't that, know. That is very cool. That's an interesting thing. If, if I had more time, if I just had more time. All right. Well, well, my kind of fun pick that that's maybe my my more toy pick. I always like to have at least one toy, and and for me, that's the Jawbone Jam Box this year. I've I've never gotten it gotten one of these Jam Boxes, but almost everybody I know has one. And Marco did this write up about uh, he's got a Jam Box, and then he got a big Jam Box because they make the the smaller ones, which are more compact, and then they make a bigger one that's a, about the size of a small shoebox. And these are wireless Bluetooth speakers that will connect to your Mac, your PC, your your iPod, your your iPhone, you know, your Bluetooth. I guess now the uh, um, the iPod Nano because it has Bluetooth in it, and they're they've, they're constantly rated as 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 excellent quality speakers. They put out a lot of sound for a fairly small package. They're kind of expensive. I mean, the the small jam boxes uh, retails for two hundred dollars. Although you can usually find it on Amazon cheaper. Like right now, it's going it's on sale for one hundred and thirty bucks on Amazon, and the big jam box starts at three hundred dollars. Um, but they just pack a lot of sound, and you can just grab them and take them anywhere. You plug them in, you charge them up, and you can go on the big one for up to fifteen hours. On the smaller ones. Um, you know, I think you can go for like a half a day or so, you know, up to seven to 10 hours on a single recharge. You can take them outside. You can, some people use these as, as not, not in the shower cause they're not waterproof, but you know, kind of as shower speakers, you know, s- set up on a ledge somewhere. That was the review that, that Marco used for them. If you're outside washing the car, you can take it with you. If you're working in the garage, you can grab it and take it with you. And then it also doubles as a speakerphone. Um, 
that you can use. So if you need to do a conference call or, or whatever, it will double as a speakerphone. Yeah. The, uh, the bigger one you can get on Amazon for $266. And these are really super. And a nice thing about this is for instance, Apple's moving connectors now. And so everybody's got the speaker for their old iPhone or their old iPad. And as they're upgrading to the newer ones with the lightning connector, the old speaker doesn't work and you feel a little jilted by it because, you know, you don't want to get that cruddy adapter. You, you just want to have a nice speaker. Well, just skip it and get one of these Bluetooth speakers. And then you've got whatever technology you're using, you're able to bro- broadcast sound to them. Yeah, they come in a bunch of different colors. You know, they've got gray and red and blue and black and all kinds of different colors. So Yeah, and they sound really good. I mean, yeah. I, I was skeptical of them till I started. Uh, I got access to one and used it for a couple of weeks, and it was really nice. I was. It's not exactly the same sound you're going to get if you're wired up, but it's close enough. Right. Right. So that's kind of my toy this year on my all wish right. list. Okay, so I'll pick a serious one, kind of serious. It's an iPad keyboard. You know, if you if you got an iPad and you don't have a good keyboard for it. You should probably get one, or maybe there's someone in your life you should get one for. And I couldn't decide which one to recommend because I actually have two, and I love them both. Uh, The first one is the Logitech Ultra Thin Keyboard Cover, and it's just like a little cover for your iPad. It's got a magnetic hinge on it. It connects right up, and it's got a keyboard built in. It's slightly more compressed than a regular size keyboard, so if that's a big deal to you, you don't want to check this out. But other than that, it's really super. It's Bluetooth, so it connects via Bluetooth. You open it up, and it's got a nice little magnetic slot in it that the iPad sits in and sits just fine, and you can just start typing away on it. It's a fantastic little keyboard. Uh, that one goes for about 100 bucks. Um, if you want the a more luxurious, you know, full-size keyboard, I like the Apple Bluetooth keyboard, the aluminum one. It's very light. It can fit in your bag. But you have to get with that. If you're going to get one, you have to get the uh, Origami Workstation. And that's made by Encase. It's a nice little case cover for the Bluetooth keyboard. Because I found that I kept popping the keys off the keyboard when I just threw it in my bag. And also, if I didn't unpair it, sometimes pressing the keys would make the iPad think I was trying to unlock it and that would cause problems. So you get this, this case, it covers up the keyboard, but not only does it do that, it opens up and as the name implies, you can kind of attach it like origami and it gives you a nice little stand for your iPad. So you can have your keyboard and your iPad standing up right there and get to work. Um, like both of those keyboards. Okay. What do you right. use? I, do you do you use a keyboard with your iPad? I, I'm using the um the Zag keyboard. I'll have to look up and get the exact model number to put it in the in the show notes. But I'm using it's it's a separate detached keyboard. It's not the it's not one of these case keyboards. It is a little bit compact. It is not a full size keyboard, but it's not horribly compact. And I find it's a happy medium for me because I wanted a, a separate keyboard that I didn't have to take with me everywhere. I didn't want a keyboard case because I, I figured 95 plus percent of the time when I'm using my iPad, I'm not using it with a keyboard. So I wanted something that, you know, I could grab and throw in my bag when I wanted a keyboard, but not mess with when I didn't want one. So I specifically wanted a non-keyboard case keyboard. And I probably could have gotten the Bluetooth keyboard in the origami station. I just had such bad luck with the Bluetooth keyboard when I used it before without a case. And that was probably my problem is I was using it without a case. And, you know, again, like you, I had keys pop off and um, I would get somewhere and I would need to use it. and The battery would be dead because I'd been using, you know, inadvertently using it in my bag the whole time and didn't need to. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Zag, the Zag keyboard works well for me. 
All right. What do you got? Um, my next one is, is probably the cheapest thing that I'm going to talk about on my list today. And that is lightning cables. I am still finding, you know, I, I, I bought one extra, I bought one extra lightning cable and then I bought one of those lightning adapters that I could use with the iHome dock next to my, I have one of those iHome clock radios that I plug my iPhone into every night to charge. And I use it as a portable speaker system next to my bed in my bedroom. And I bought one of those adapters, so that's that's one place where I charge my iPhone every night. And I have another um, I have another lightning cable that I have plugged into my computer because for whatever reason I cannot get my iPhone to reliably sync wirelessly. It just never has ever since I've had it. And I'm just finding that those two cables aren't enough. So I bought one more that I keep at the office, and I'm still kind of wishing that I had more. I'm kind of want one in my car and I kind of want an extra one in the drawer in the kitchen. I, I'm still feeling like I'm swapping cables out everywhere. So the the other thing on my list wish list is is lightning cables. And we're starting to see um I, I would not suggest that people go out and buy some of these gray market lightning cables that are coming out because I think there's just too much unknown about that. But we're starting to see some official third party lightning cables that are being made. Um, for example, Skosh, which which makes a lot of Apple authorized accessories and I, I don't know how to say this right, but has one of those little retractor things on their cable so that when you yank it, it will retract in and pull it out so it makes it better for travel. Kind of like, like a, a re- reel. Yeah, reel. So it's a retractable cable. Um, and then Griffin Technology is making a bunch of Apple-authorized lightning cables. Um, in a variety of sizes, they're making some shorter cables, and I really like the shorter cables for when traveling. And they're making some cables that coil, and those I think are pretty good for the car. So, lightning cables. You're going to need a lot of them because that's all Apple's going to be making pretty soon. Pretty soon. Just down to the iPad 2. I think that's the only one left in the line. Yeah, because, you know, the iPad 3 never existed. Yeah. Okay. I've got another uh, low-cost one. This one's, I think, two bucks. Beat that. Oh, you beat me. Yeah. Okay. So, uh on the subject of cables, you, wherever you're at, at your work or your home or wherever, you've got little cable drops usually, like a lightning cable, for instance, that you want to have quick access to. You just don't want it sitting on your desk. You want a nice way to attach it to something. Uh, Blue Lounge makes these cable drop um, management system, and it's basically these little uh, circular pla- pieces of plastic with a dome on it, but kind of a channel cut out along the top that will hold a cable and not drop it. And then it's got a piece of um, sticky tape on the bottom of it. So you can attach it to the side of a table or I've got it on my dresser. I've got one on my work computer. So I've got these things all over the place. And whenever I've got a cable, I put it there. For instance, my standing desk, I have a, a Mac power cord back there, you know, the MagSafe power cord. And I've just got one of those attached to the back and I can reach behind and grab it whenever I need some power. Uh, it's a great little device. I, I just saw them on Amazon. I'm going to put in the show notes for a buck eighty one. <laughs> you can't go better than that. So if you need stocking stuffers, there's a good one for a geek. Yeah, I've got a bunch of those. I've I've got like my mic cord wrapped around that, so it's it's not all chaotic on my desk. I've got USB cords on the back of my desk sticking through that. I've got one on the side of my my nightstand where I, I keep a because now I have to have a a, a 30 pin dot connector for my, my, I, what is it? My iPad 
that I charge by my bedside. And then I've got my iPhone with the lightning adapter that plugs into this dock. So I've got to have extra cables now. Yeah. And just keeps them clean and tidy. All right. What about you? you? You've got another one here. Yeah, I'm, I'm a, the, I had an interesting issue this weekend. I, I got an SOS call um, from my mom who was trying to do a good deed. She was, my dad was out of town and we were trying to his, it was a long story, but she was trying to do something for him and, and get his car serviced. And she ended up getting stranded in the parking lot of the grocery store with a dead battery. So that was the last time she's ever going to try to do something nice for him. And, um, or with his car, she just, she does not have good luck with his car for whatever reason. It, it does not like her. Um, so she, she called me and she said, you know, can you come get me? I've got this car full of groceries and we'll figure out what to do later with the car. And I said, I can do better than that. I can not only can I come get you, but I can come get you and I can come get your car going if it's truly a dead battery. And, um, this was a recommendation from our friend Tim Verporten a couple of years ago. He had bought these for his wife and the, they, they're made by a couple of different brands. Um, the one that I'm putting a link to in the show makes show notes is, is made by Shoemaker, I think is the, the right brand. Um, it's an instant portable power source. And so what you do is you, you plug these in and you have to recharge them every three months or so because they, they do lose their charge. And then, so it's a big old battery that you can, you know, just, I throw mine in my trunk and then on the other end of them, they've got a set of, of jumper cable looking things. So it's, if you ever find yourself in a situation with a dead battery, you can jump yourself with this battery, um, that I, that I keep in my trunk. And so I was able to, to drive over and, and jump the car and get her started and save the day and save the groceries. So that was, I started thinking about it. That was pretty cool. I think that's something that, you know, most, most people, if, if you've got teenagers who are just starting out driving or, or really anybody, you know, throw in the back of your car, it doesn't take up a lot of room, keep it charged up. But the other thing that as, as I was, you know, reading more about this, I realized that it is just a big honking battery and it's got a, um, I'm going to miss this. What is the little power outlet that we have in our car that we plug in our car chargers for? Is that a DC outlet? 12 volt. 12 volt DC outlet. Sure. But anyway, it's got one of those on the side of it. And I'm like, what is this here for? I've never really noticed this before, but you can plug in, uh, your iPhone, your iPad or whatever that you have a car charger for into this and it will charge that. So, and I was reading the Amazon reviews. It is just a big honking battery. So if you are in an area like, you know, we just heard about everybody who was affected by Sandy recently. I know I have had two tropical storms. Thankfully, I didn't lose power either time come over me this year. This is a battery that you can charge up and it's got enough power that it will charge my iPad a couple of times and charge my iPhone for weeks just out of this battery. So if I was ever in a situation where I lost power and didn't need to jumpstart my car, I've got a huge source right here. You're so practical, Katie. I know. All right. Anyway, so- they've got a, they got a whole bunch of different, um, you know, ratings depending about on how big of a battery you need and how big of a battery you need to jump in your car, so you can look at different ones. But, That's uh, good, though. That's a good idea. That's cool. Yeah, it is. I, I have a really practical pick now too. It's called the Think Geek iCade. I mean, this is something that everybody really does need. And what it is, it's a little arcade stand. Uh, mm-hmm. Like an old traditional arcade, you go in and drop your quarters in. Uh, and but, and when you're starving in the woods, you can heat your food on this too. No, well, what? No, this is much more important. This this feeds the soul. 
Okay. So if you want to play your old Atari, like Tempest or whatever, <laughs> you just slide it in there. It's got a nice, you know, real there. And there's a couple of these. I think the Think Geek one is probably the best from what I'm told. It's got really high quality buttons on it. It's got a nice joystick. You drop it in there. You're just like going to the arcade. How fun is that? I mean, just think about that on Christmas morning. In fact, I hope they get me this instead of those light bulbs, because I think I would have more fun with this. All right. You're scaring me a little bit now. Yeah. Oh, and, and by the way, if you're really lost in getting a gift for the geek in your life, thinkgeek.com. That's all I'm going to say. You go, you go there. They've got so many great gifts there for the geek in your life. And no matter what their hang up is, whether it's Star Wars or Star Trek or Doctor Who or whatever, they've got cool merchandise and they've just got lots of fun stuff there. I mean, every year I do a bunch of shopping there. Yeah, Absolutely. All right. Well, while they're browsing ThinkGeek, let's let's talk about our next sponsor, One Password. Okay. You know, One One Password. We we actually had people write in and say, "I love how you talk about One Password." Um, but could could you talk about this piece about One Password, or could you talk about this piece about One Password, or maybe this piece about One Password? So I love how we're now getting um, requests specifically yeah. about One Password. Well, it's just a great product, and people want to figure it out, like Todd. Yeah, so so Todd Todd specifically wrote in and asked us, can you can you talk a little bit about how you use one password to place your replace your old passwords with with new ones? He says many times I found that when I uh, when I need to change my password, which is a good thing to do every couple of months. I think you and I just went through that with the with the clock change, saving a username and password on the password reset page instead of the login page. So sometimes when I try to log into a website, it doesn't get get saved right, but but 1Password makes that easy in a couple of ways. So not only can you use 1Password to create these strong, unique passwords. So here's what you do. So you go to 1Password and you say, you know, it's, it's about time I need to change my login for, for XYZ site. So, so you log into whatever site you need using your 1Password keychain in whatever browser you want because they support all the various browsers. And you figure out how do I in this particular service go and change my password. Usually you've got to go to a, a password reset page or something like that. And you can do a couple of different things with that. The thing that I like to do is I go in and when I go to change my password, I fill in my old password and then I use the 1Password toolbar and tell it to generate a password for me and fill that. And then I found about 80 to 90% of the time, one password will pop up and say, hey, I realized that you just changed a password. Do you want me to save it for you? And sometimes Todd's right. If you're, if you're actually more like 90 to 100% of the time, it'll do that. But what Todd's right is that some of the time, if you're, if you're on a password reset page as opposed to, you know, like let's pick like discovercard.com instead of being on discovercard.com login page you may be on discovercard.com slash account slash login slash password reset gobbledygook something or other and that's not the page that you want to go to when you log in so the little one password toolbar will pop up and say hey i noticed you filled a password do you want me to save this and then look on the on the right side of that toolbar there'll be a little drop down box and you can say yes save this as a new password or if you click on that drop-down box, you can say, save over my existing password, and you'll see where you've already got a password saved for Discover Card. And it's pretty and, smart. It will figure yeah. out where you're at. Yeah. 
And so it'll it'll say, I see that you're on a different part of the Discover card site. Do you want to save a brand new password? Do you want to save this over your old password? And you can drop down and say, save it over my old password. And boom, it will replace your password. You never have to think about it again. One password has got it. For those few times when one password doesn't get it, you still don't even have to log into the one password application. You can do it all from the browser because it will remember, it will always remember your your generated passwords. And you can just go in and find the last generated password. It'll tell you at this date on this time you generated the password from this site. You can just copy that. And when you go back to the site, you can edit your login information for that site and fix it there. So I, but I found that about 95 plus percent of the time, if, if one password doesn't automatically pick that I want to update this password, all I have to do is click on the little drop down menu and say, no, instead of creating a new login, I want to update this login. Yeah, just pay attention to the top menu, and you'll you'll be all right. Now, for the ones like uh, Todd was talking about in the past, he's probably got some sites where he's got two or three logins because he didn't do that at the time. Like Katie said, you can just go and copy and paste the appropriate password in the main login, one password entry, or create a, a fresh new one using that old password. Uh, I'm sorry, using the new password and then delete right. the others. I mean, uh, you should clean up that one password library. If you look in the little widget in your Safari and you see that you've got 16 logins for you know your website, then obviously you've been collecting them. Go figure out the most recent one that works and dump the rest of them. There you go. Go ahead and get rid of it. And again, you can do that all from the browser or you can do, or you can do it from the one password application. Um, and it's got a little bit nicer in- interface within the application to it, but you but you can do it all from within the within the extensions browser too. Yeah. Um, and one password. The the beauty about one password is it's available everywhere. It's available with the Mac. It's available for the PC. It's available for the iPhone, the iPad. They've even got it for Android. So, um, you definitely want to check it out and make sure that you're keeping your passwords up to date. You're rotating them regularly. And here's the thing: this tip works too if you're trying to replace your old unsecure passwords with brand new randomly generated passwords, which is what I recommend. Yeah, good Just idea. Just go, th- go through and, and, and pick a couple of sites a day that you, you do that with. You know, start with your banking site, start with your, your high-priority financial information site, start with your email sites, and then just every day as you log into sites, go change your passwords. And, and one and, by one, you'll get them. Yeah, and a follow-up for this for Todd and anybody else listening, if you've got kind of a go-to password you used before you saw the light and got one password in your life, uh, you can search the one password database for that old go-to password. And then from there, you'll have a list of the sites where you need to update the passwords. So that's another good thing to do. If you've got a little time off during the holidays, upgrade your security. Yeah. And uh, thanks to 1Password for their continued support of Mac Power users. All right, so what's next you, on your list? Why don't you go next? I think I jumped the outline a little bit there at you, the end. You I, did. Got, you, I got you excited, got so excited about, about the arcade. Yeah, I did actually. Um, well, my next one, if if you hurry, they may still be on sale. But one of my my favorite shops in the world, Max Sales. I shop. That's they sent me a catalog recently. Did you get their catalog in the mail? Yeah, that's that's bad. I can't <sighs> have that in my house. It's like when I was a kid and the Toys R Us catalog used to come. Same look my daughter gets when the American Girl catalog shows up. Oh, I don't know what the American Girl catalog is. I anyway, do. I, I probably shouldn't. Yeah. Okay. So I saw these a couple of years ago at Macworld, and I thought those are just the most clever things. And then this company never really could come out with them. But you know, leave it to OWC; they'll they'll figure it out and they'll come out with them. So these are called the Power to You, the number two, the letter U outlets. 
And these are standard UL approved. You got to make sure that happens because you don't want to burn your house down. There are a lot of uh, cheap imitations around that may not be UL approved. Um, wall outlets that have USB plugs or ports built in that, and these are high power USB ports that will power, you can plug two iPads in or two iPhones in or however you want to do it. And so you can plug your devices directly into the power outlet and not have to have all of these wall wart bricks plugged in and not have to worry about using up your outlets. So for example, I would love to put like one of these in the kitchen and maybe one of these in my bedroom next to my nightstand, maybe one of them in the laundry room, kind of where my catch-all is when I come in during during the day and I drop all of my stuff. I mean, just wherever you kind of tend to, to drop your gadgets or charge your gadgets would be a great place to put one of these power to use stations um, because then you've just got a, a built-in power station. Yeah, you know, the the link you gave me, I, I can't get it to work. Do you know what the wattage is on the... Uh Ten. They're ten watts. Okay, so that's good. That's the standard wattage to charge up an iPad. Right. All right. That looks like fun. Yeah. Yeah. And um, they've been on sale recently on Black Friday. I think you get them for like ten bucks a piece. Although I think that sale is gone. Um, But yeah, I'm I'm having trouble with the website loading right now. Hopefully that link will be working by the time by the time we get them in our show notes. But. Um, yeah, they look really cool and they're not that hard to install. You know, OWC has great installation videos, whether you're buying RAM from them or hard drive upgrades or whatever you're doing. I have installed wall outlets before because I had a, I had an old house once where I had all those almond fixtures that I I had to upgrade to white and it's not that bad installing a wall outlet. You just, the, the trick to it is you want to make sure you turn off the electricity at the breaker box. Yeah, you think so? That, I think that's a, one of the tricks. <laughs> that's the trick. I've, I've done it without before. You have? I What's have. Your, Katie, you're crazy. You're, I did not you're frying turkeys and you're using talk. live wires. I'm worried it's about not, you. It's, it's not that much electricity. I think you should have two offsite backups. That's <laughs> not that I much just, electricity. Yeah, I just think you... No, you definitely want to turn off the power at the circuit breaker. Yeah, that would when, help. When I did it without, it was accidental. Okay. I'm sure at OWC you can also maybe get one of those um, voltage meters to see if you actually turned off the correct breaker too. Yeah, that'd be a good Might idea. Might want to pick one of those up. Um, so I've got one. Here's the first Apple product of the show. If you don't have one yet, get an Apple TV. They're just so useful. I, I mean, I use it for absolutely. Pres- I use it absolutely. for presentations now. I use it. We use it on our TV. I think I watch more Apple TV on my TV than regular TV. Um, I, I love having the Netflix streaming, um, and all the stuff that I've found interesting on my, on my Mac, I can stream right over. Um, now you can do the, the air sharing so I can put my iPad up on the screen. It's just, it's just a really great product for a hundred dollars. I think we've talked about it on the show enough already, but if you haven't got one yet, this is a good excuse. Yeah, and these are great things to to buy other people. Um, did I tell you I bought one of these for my mom for her birthday a couple of months ago? No. And she got her first iPad about for her birthday as well, so I got her an Apple TV. And I don't know that she has done anything on it other than use it as a screensaver, but she will sometimes sit there for hours, and I've I've put all of our family photos on it, and just watch the family photos go by on the TV. I said, Mom, you know that's just the screensaver. That's not actually what the Apple TV does. And she says, I know. I said, you know, you can rent movies. I know. I said, you know, you can show your other other pictures. I know. 
Yeah, you know, but she I, just is loves seeing her photos up on the big TV. And then you can, you know, she can subscribe to libraries and you can basically send them to her. Like, I wish this had existed when my mom was around. She would have loved that, that we could send, you know, family events to her TV. Uh, it's a great product anyway. So it's a hundred bucks. That's uh, a good gift for somebody else. It's a good gift for yourself. I second that. And I've, I've had a couple of these that have, that have creeped into my life. I started with one and now I've got three. I don't know quite how that happened. But well, it's funny. It whenever happened. I, whenever I go on the road to speak, I, I bring it with me and I'm going to do a post on this. I swear it where I, I plug the Apple TV in at the conference center and I go HDMI into the projector and then I bring a little airport express to create my own little network. And then I can walk around the room and talk using my iPad and it shows up on the screen. So it's a really great presentation tool as well. My family goes crazy because, you know, I leave town for a few days and they don't have the Apple TV and, and they realize how much they like it too. I guess I'm going to have to get another one at some point. Oh yeah. They're 99 bucks. You can actually sometimes pick them up in the refurb store. That's how I've picked them up. You can pick them up at the refurb store for like 80, 85 bucks. Yeah. I'll have to look. I, it's hard to justify buying one to keep in a drawer until I go out of town, but I guess I could install it in my bedroom. That would be kind of nice. Yeah. Put it, put it on a second TV. Yeah. I, I've done that. I've I've put my secondary Apple TV in my bedroom, and then I've got another one in my office. And I'll start watching a movie in in my living room, and I'll get tired, and I'll pause it, and I'll go pick it up in the bedroom, and I'll usually end up falling asleep before the end. But then I'll get up the next morning and finish it. And then you'll like blow up a turkey. <laughs> and then I'll blow up a turkey and electrocute myself. Yeah. There you go. All right. What do you it's got? Not that bad. Um, all right. This is a uh, this is another one of those gifts for like, what do you, what do you give for people who you don't know what else to give stuff? And I'm, I am giving this this year and that is the gift of photo scanning. Um, Derek story, who, you know, we had on our show, was it last episode? I think it was last episode. No, two, a couple episodes ago. Yeah. It, it was recent. It was, it was the last month. Um, did an article for Macworld and it's a couple years old now. It was an article he did back in 2009, but it's still kind of one of those articles that I instapapered and remembered to Google every time I go look at this. And he did a really great article for Macworld where he talked about all of the photo scanning. Um, he tried three different photo scanning services and talked about his experience with them and compared and contrasted them. And if there's anybody that you want to believe when it comes to talking about this stuff, it's probably Derek. So I went and looked at that. And, you know, my my grandparents are are getting up there in age and they're they're not really tech savvy. They they have computers, but um they just they're I was around their house one day and I was looking and you know their photos are just stuck in drawers. Some of them are in albums, some of them aren't. And I realized we don't have any photos really from this particular side of the family. We've got a bunch of photos from another side of the family, but no photos really from this side of the family. And I I know that they're around. So I I went and I got um I actually was able to find a Groupon for it. And I'm that seems to be a, a thing that you can find Groupons for regularly if you're into that thing. Or you can just go get a gift certificate. Or heck, this is the kind of thing that you're geeks, you have a scanner, you have time, you can do it yourself. Um I went out and and got a gift certificate to this scan digital place is, is the one that I chose. And 
Um, I ended up going to, uh, because they if I just give them a gift certificate to scan digital, they'll never do it themselves. So what I did is, is I got the gift certificate. I went ahead and bought it. And then I went out to a craft store. Like I think Michael's is, is where I went and I got them. It's not a shoe box, but it's, I think it's called a craft box. It's like one of those shoe box size boxes that looks like a nice box that you put stuff in. And I just put a note in that box and I said, fill this box up with photos and return it to Katie um, she'll return it back to you along with a CD with all of your images digitized, and then we'll distribute them to the family. And so I put the note in the box and I wrapped the box and that's what they're going to get for Christmas this year is however many photos they can put in that box, whether the gift certificate covers it or whether I have to chip in or whether I end up scanning these photos themselves is I just want to get the stuff scanned and digitized. So I'm going to give them the box. They're going to fill it up. And then I'm going to take care of getting all those photos digitized one way or another. And then I have them, they have them and the rest of the family has them. Yeah. We did that with my parents' photos after my mom passed away. We scanned everything and it was great. So everybody's got copies and we kind of spread them to the four winds. You know, everybody who's remotely related got all these pictures and it's really great knowing they're out there and, and don't wait because all that can happen between now and the time you do it is they can get, you know, water dropped on them or they can further fade. So the sooner you scan them, the better. And the stuff has got, it's, it's relatively cheap. And I do recommend going to these outside services because they usually have really good quality color scanners and, you know, your time's worth something. It takes quite a bit of time to go through and, and properly scan photos. Yeah, I think it was like um, 50 cents a photo for a 300 DPI photo or 70 cents a photo for a 600 DPI photo or something like that. And I figured I wanted the higher res scans. Yeah. And then it was cheaper the more you bought. So it, it went down quickly from there. Yeah, I, I had one. I, it was much cheaper than that. I think I paid like $50 for and it was like a box. You just filled it up. But this was a couple of years ago. I'd have to take a look and see who the vendor was for that. But yeah, and and like I said, I I have seen a Groupon for this multiple times. So I ended up getting a Groupon. So I ended up getting like a hundred bucks worth of scanning product for, I think it was forty bucks. So I bought a couple of those. Yeah, well, that's a good idea, Katie. I, I've got one for you, and this is my analog recommendation. You know, I, I've had my cheap recommendation. I've had my fun. This was analog, and that's JetPins.com. And if you, you know, if you're a Mac nerd, there's a good chance that you could also be a pin nerd. And I love jet pins. They're, uh, I guess they get most of their stuff from Japan, but they've just got a lot of really good quality pins. There's several of them that I use all the time. And there's three in particular that I like. The first one is called the, um, uh, the Z, the Z, the Zebra Sarasa, Z-E-B-R-A-S-A-R-A-S-A. -A -A -A. I think 70 decibels has a whole podcast on pens. I'll have to admit I've never listened to it, but these are really good little pens and they have a 0.4, um, uh, thickness, uh, red pen that I use at work. Cause my, you know, I write better if it's a finer point and they're like two bucks each and I'll just buy a bunch of these at the beginning of the year and they'll get me through the whole year. Uh, so that's the cheap pen. Uh, the next one is the mechanical pencil they have that I really like. And as I load the page, it's called the, I'm, boy, anybody in Japan listening to this, I apologize just in advance. It's called the Uni Kuru Toga. And it's a, um, it's a mechanical pencil, but you know how when you wrote with mechanical pencils when you were a kid and the lead would start to wear down and you'd have a really, really sharp end and a really, really flat end. 
Are you there? Yeah, when you when you would buy like the the, the packs of the color coded mechanical pencils, or just a regular mechanical pencil, because you're holding the pen in the same um, way with your finger the whole time, so it, it becomes razor sharp at the the far edge, and it becomes very flat on another edge. Uh, what this pencil does is it actually spins the lead as you write, so it always has a nice kind of rounded edge to the top. It's it's kind of hard to describe with audio. It's a $16 pencil, <laughs> so it's not cheap. But uh, if, if you go to the link, you'll see it, and you write with a mechanical pencil, you could really appreciate this. Yeah, I'm sorry I got distracted by your next pick. Oh, did you? Okay, yes. it's really amazing. Okay, so... Uh, I did buy you, myself. You have one, one of these? these. I bought myself a oh pen my that I had no business buying myself. It's a hundred and forty dollar pen, and uh, it's a it's a Pilot Namiki Vanishing Point fountain pen. So you know the problem with fountain pens has always been that they leak all over your pocket. There's all these issues. This pen is upside down, so when you stick it in your pocket, the pen tip actually comes out above the clip, and then the bottom is a big button you press in, and it's just a fantastic pen. And um, I have to admit, yeah, I did buy myself one of these a while back, and I use it every day. I've had it a long time now. Mine's a little scratched up because I use it all the time. But uh, that's the crazy pick from uh, JetPens. But, yeah, go to JetPens.com wow. if you're looking for some fun. And uh, that's a pretty cool website. It's like it's kind of like ThinkGeek for writing instruments. Wow. And I know I've kind of opened up a can here because I know we have listeners that are much more into this stuff than than I am. But... There's some cool gifts in there. Okie dokie. $140 pen. Yeah, I know. It's like gold. I can't lose it ever. (laughs) I've had it now. I don't know how long I've had this. I think about eight months or so. Gosh, my my problem is people steal my pens. I guess you just never hand it to anybody. Never, never. All right. Well, my last pick is, uh, I guess, again, another analog pick, and it and it goes with with the the previous pick that I did, and that's photo books. So, what what am I doing with all of these photos that I'm scanning, rather than at the at the end of scanning them and putting them back in a drawer and letting nobody ever see them again? Is I'm creating iPhoto books with them. Um, I'm actually doing this right now. I think I've I've talked about it on the podcast how. Um, we got all of my, my grandmother's slides scanned about all of her world travels and I've been cleaning up the images. And what I'm doing now is I'm making photo books based on geographic regions. So I've got, um, you know, the Asia book, I've got a book on the Middle East, I've got a book on South America. Um, they did extensive, extensive traveling throughout their life. And these are just amazing photos. You know, I think I talked about, I have a picture of my grandparents on a camel, um, I have pictures of my grandmother with the monkeys in South America. I have pictures of them um, with animals in safari in South Africa. I mean, these are just absolutely amazing, precious, one-of-a-kind photos um, that I have. And nobody really is going to get to see them if they stay on a disc or um, if they stay in the slide carousel packed up in the guest bedroom closet. So I'm going through now. Um, and I think I'm about six or seven books in based on um, countries and geographic reason. And I'm putting together photo books. And they're just going to be great coffee table books that people and guests are going to be able to see when they come to their house. Now, did you look at any other vendors other than Apple on this? I did. And there's one vendor in particular. And if I can find their information, I'll put them in the show notes. I really like I've, – I've tried photo books from other vendors before. And where, and I don't mean photo books that you make at Apple and then ship to other vendors to print. I mean photo books that you 
make at other vendors and print at other vendors where it's an all-in-one package from somebody else. And I just have not liked them. I didn't think that the that the layout and options and things like that were as good as the Apple books. I've just never been as happy with any of the other products as I have been with the Apple photo books. But somebody recommended one vendor in particular will, if you export your Apple iPhoto books to PDF, they will print them for you. So you kind of get the best of both worlds. You get a little bit of a price discount, but you still get the Apple iPhoto book experience. So I may look at that. Yeah. The the nice thing about the iPhoto books is that they make it so easy. You can build it right in your photo management application. And Aperture has similar tools. In fact, in Aperture, it's even a little better because you can change the layout. I mean, last time I checked iPhoto, you were locked to the layout that they had. Right. Well, I mean, you can customize them to some degree. You can say, I want three photos, seven photos or whatever. Yeah. And Aperture, you can actually move the the matting around and the photos around and the text around. So it's it's kind of nice. I've made several of them as well. I agree. They're, they're really great. And the interesting thing is, you know, when you've got them out, people come over and they just start looking through it. So I think that's pretty good. If you couldn't find something in there to buy somebody or yourself, man, I'm not sure. Grinch. Yeah. Come on. Scrooge. Get yourself some of those $2 cable plugs, if nothing else. There you go. So that was a lot of fun. I'm glad we did it. Uh, let us know what you liked and what you didn't like. We've got um, sh- we've got show notes on. We've got a feedback form on the website. So if you've got a gift that we missed, you know, put it up there. Don't just write us about it. Put it out there so other people can read it too. Yeah. And speaking of feedback, we, we do have a little bit of feedback to cover. But before we do, let's talk about our last sponsor for the show, and that is Fujitsu. And you know, David, this this is a gift idea in and of itself. In and we talked about kind of what do you get the person who has everything and scanning people's photos and archiving people's memories. You, you can certainly do that going paperless as well. And what better way to do that than with a ScanSnap scanner? Yeah, they've got a scanner for whatever your needs are. The 1500M is the big desktop one. You can 50 pages through it. It's really fast. It's got uh, scanners on both sides. So it gets both sides as it zips through. And I love the way that they support the Mac community with software that works on the Mac. I mean, so often as a Mac user, you get some third-party hardware and the software is abysmal. I just bought one this week and I had a lot of trouble with it, uh, a third-party product. And I'm very unhappy, but I'm not going to talk about it now. But uh, you don't get that with the ScanSnap. With the ScanSnap, it just works. And they've got the OCR built in and some really nice, innovative features. It's a great scanner. Yeah, I, I think in particular, uh, they've got the 1500, which is kind of the Mac Daddy scanner for, you know, people who see I mean, if you've got filing cabinets to clear out, this is the scanner that you want if you're regularly scanning big staffs because stuff. But they've also got the 1300i, which I think is a good starting point. And I think it's a great scanner um, for... This is the scanner that I I would pick for someone who's maybe just starting out in life, you know, maybe the 20-something-year-old who's just starting their own household or maybe even the newlywed couple, somebody who doesn't have a huge backlog of stuff and is just getting started um, or maybe, you know – uh, they they just want to get started with paperless and and they want to get started fresh from the beginning. I've said that a couple of different ways now, haven't I? Yeah, well, it's uh, a, it's a really good sweet spot. Like if you don't want to yeah. spend as much money, it still has scanners on both sides. It's got a ten sheet ski, uh, feeder, so you've still got that feeder, which is really useful. And it still comes with the same great ScanSnap software, and you can fold it up and stick it in a desk drawer, which is really nice if you don't have space. I, In fact, I generally recommend, if you don't know which one to get, the 1300i is a, is a great solution. Right. 
And then last but not least, there's the 1100, the S1100, which has got its own great practical uses. If you're someone that travels a lot, um, if you need to go single sheet at a time, if you're using this in the car on the go, the S1100 is truly portable. It's truly grab and go. Um, I pulled out my S1100 the other day when I was when I was going over to somebody else's house and needed to scan some documents. I just it fit right in my laptop bag with my laptop, and I was there. And they said, "Well, I, I guess I can make copies of these for you, or you can take them and you can bring them back." And I said, "Nope, not necessary. I've got my scanner in here with me and zipped right through them." Yeah, it's like the MacBook Air of scanners. You know, it's a, it really there's, is. A, there's some definite trade-offs. You don't have the feeder, but uh, it it's a great way to get you know your scan snap on from the road. Right. Uh, so you can find lots of information about these scanners, and if you go to the link www.ez.com/ssmpu, that will tell them that stands for Scan Snap MPU Mac Power Users. By the way, um, that will tell them that. Mac Power user sent you, and that will support the show. So go check out their great line of scanners, and thanks to Fujitsu for sponsoring the show. You know, after you're done playing with your iCade for Christmas and, you know, getting over your uh, eggnog-induced haze, <laughs> you're going to hit New Year, and you're going to want to do something. Maybe it's time to go paperless and get yourself one of these great scanners. Yeah, that's true. All right, so um, do we have time for a little quick feedback? Yeah, let's do a couple can't believe we've almost gone an hour and a half already. I, I thought this was going to be a short show. And we do have a big feedback show coming up. Uh, yes, so a we full do. on feedback show. That's going to be later this month. So if you've got something in particular, let us know. Uh, but the, strangely, that outline's also already full, but we're always looking for new information. Right. Um, so Greg had a question about sharing iTunes account with the family, David, and maybe you want to handle this because this is something that, that you regularly do and I don't. Yeah, maybe I didn't really make it clear. He was asking, well, how do I have different um, iCloud accounts if we have a shared account with the family? And uh, this was a problem that I worried about when we first started hearing about iCloud because I didn't want to have, I, I didn't mind sharing my music and my app purchases with my family, but I didn't want to be sharing my calendar and my email and all those things. You can have a separate iCloud account for every member of the family. They, they let you do that. But then when you're setting up on your iOS device, your account for the purpose of iTunes or for the app store, you can use a different account. So in my case, we've got kind of my original, um, my original account, my iTunes account, which is not tied to an Apple ID. I guess you could say it's an Apple ID, but it's an original one I've had for years and years. And then when I guess it's, it's your AOL account, isn't it? Um, no, it's not. It's, it's <laughs> is it, but it, it is like a, an ISP that I'm not even sure they exist anymore, but anyway. Uh, and then in addition to that, and I don't remember, I think it was at Mac.com at Mac, when at Mac.com, I, I bought on and I got a Mac.com identity. And that's a separate identity for me. And then my kids, uh, and that's, you know, progressed to iCloud. First it was mobile me, then iCloud. My kids each and my wife each also have their own iCloud account. So there's four iCloud accounts in the Sparks house. We've got four people, two kids and two parents. And then there's a fifth account, which is my legacy iTunes account. And whenever we set up a device for whoever it is, it gets that legacy account for the purpose of music and apps and books. And then it gets the iCloud account for everything else. And it works just fine. Cool. And as far as I understand, that's okay with Apple. I mean, they know everybody's doing it because how else would you handle all this DRM stuff? I mean, if you buy Angry Birds, do you have to buy it four times for everybody in the house? No, you just have to buy it once because we have that shared account. 
Yeah, now, and, and, it, and it's specifically designed to be shared within the family. Yeah. Now, if my kids ever go out in the world and decide they want to get their own iTunes account, they're on their own. They're going to have to buy their own Angry Birds at that point. Right. Um, and we also got an email from Kevin. This is, this is an email that we get quite often. And Kevin says, you know, look, I've, I've, I live in the Apple ecosystem, but I don't have a Mac. I've got iPhones, iPads, Apple TVs. And the last piece of the puzzle is that I need a Mac, but I don't know what to get. Do I get a notebook? Do I get an air? Do I get a pro? Do I get a desktop? Do I get a mini? Do I get an iMac? What do I get? And we, we did a whole show and it's been a long time now on, um, on, buying a Mac and, and which Mac we did. I think I think it might have even been when we were in single digits or maybe low double digits. So we'll have to find it and stick a link in the show notes to it. But but Kevin specifically says that he's getting hooked up on, you know, he's in the process of ripping his entire DVD collection to use on the Apple TV. And for that reason, he's leaning away from a notebook because he wants a machine that can do the normal, quote, computer stuff but can also serve up iTunes content for the Apple TV. And he has some concerns about keeping the machine plugged in constantly on his desk and what damage using a laptop as a desktop could cause. So let, let me address those two concerns specifically, and then you can figure out the other stuff. I use my laptop plugged in as a desktop. And as long as you regularly exercise the battery, I don't think you're causing any quote-unquote damage. I mean, if if you only... Plug, left your laptop plugged in and never exercised the battery and never took it anywhere, then what's the point of having a laptop? But, And I know you mentioned that your wife had this issue with her battery because she would just leave it plugged in quite a bit and it would never really get any use, right? Yeah. So yeah. You, if, if this is a computer that you have a, a laptop but you're going to leave it plugged in for a good amount of the time, you do want to make a point to regularly exercise that battery. Um, yeah. Do you have a recommendation? For an app to do that, you mean? No, I mean just in terms of how long. Well, I you know, I think I think there it depends on which Mac you're using and there's a bunch of Apple support articles on this. A lot of them I think the the school of thought is once a month run the battery down. Yeah, I think so. And you know, and once again there's a whole lot of discussion and dispute over what that means. Do you have to run the battery all the way down to exercise the battery or to reset the meter that tells you how good your battery is? Uh, it depends who you ask. As the technologies improve, you're increasingly told, no, it's not as big of a deal anymore. You just need to run it down halfway. And I'm not an engineer on this stuff. And frankly, there's so many contrary stories. I'm not really sure what advice to give people, except that if you're going to use a laptop that's usually plugged in, you know, every once in a while, unplug it. Even if you're not going to move it, just unplug it and use it unplugged for a while. Yeah, I think that's good advice. And, and then the other issue he had is, you know, when I when I have this laptop, if I do unplug it and take it away, what happens to all that stuff I want to stream to my Apple TV? Well, it's not going to work because in order to stream stuff to your Apple TV, at this point, unless it's in iCloud, which it's not going to be, um, you know, from the TV show and movie standpoint, unless you purchased it from Apple, you do have to have a Mac serving it up. So, you know, as long as you have a Mac that's on and running and, and serving this stuff up, which is what I use my Mac mini for, then you're going to be fine. You're going to be golden. And you can even have that stuff stored on the external hard drive so long as it's linked to this main library that is always on and powered and serving this stuff up. But if if you're going to have this stuff living on a laptop, if the or or a desktop or any machine, if the machine is off, if the machine is asleep, um, iTunes is not going to be able to see it. Your Apple TV is not going to be able to see it, and that's not going to work. 
Yeah. So you just need to be aware of that. But as soon as you bring the Mac back on and power it up and and alert it to the network and turn on iTunes, that stuff is all going to come back on again. So, I mean, it really the question is, when are you going to try to be accessing this media? And, and it sounds to me like you're really trying to jump in with both feet, and, and I applaud that. But in some degrees, you kind of need to crawl before you you walk, and you need to walk before you run. It sounds like for in, in Kevin's case, he really wants to get a laptop because he thinks he's going to use it away from his desk. You know, I think I think get a laptop. I think get a MacBook Air or a, a low end um, 13 inch MacBook Pro or something like that. You don't need the horsepower from from what you wrote in to do these high end stuff. Don't and he wrote in that money was a concern. Don't overbuy. Don't spend more Mac than you need to buy. And then you know save up and and maybe pick up a Mac Mini or pick up a lower end iMac. Um, and get the family a Mac that that can be that media serving machine, you know, six months to a year down the line. Yeah. You know, get get by with the laptop for a while and don't overbuy and you know pick up a pick up a Mac Mini a year from now. Yeah, even just a refurb Mac Mini, it's not going to be taxing to run your media off a Mac Mini, so you'll be fine. You don't yeah. have to have the latest and greatest with the smoking hot processor and the most possible RAM. So I don't know what that was kind of a, a long winded thing, but yeah, you know, I think we will go back and look at some of those shows we did. Cause some of them are two or three years old now and definitely workflows and ideas and software solutions have changed a lot. So uh, maybe in 2013, we'll go back and revisit a couple of those shows that, that probably are up, you know, need a refresh and uh, let us know if there's any of those that in particular you would like to hear about, because we got to make that list here pretty soon as we start planning. Right. Hey, I think that's enough. We've, I we've, think that's good. Yeah, yeah, we've been we've been going for a while, and people are probably broke. If you're still listening, you know, you get a cookie. <laughs> so you can find links to all of the things that you want to buy that we've talked about in our Geek Gift Guide, and you can send them to David and I. My address, no, I'm just kidding. Um, you can find those links at uh, 5x5.tv slash MPU or at MacPowerUsers.com. Yeah, you can send us an email to feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. You can also contact us on Twitter through at Mac Power Users, and Katie is at Katie Floyd. I'm at Max Berkey, and we are both on app.net under those names. And if you do want to get us a gift for the holidays, we would love your iTunes comments. That's what really makes my day all warm and fuzzy is when I go in there and see we've got a whole bunch of new iTunes comments and that people are enjoying the show. Uh, and, it, and it does help people find us. Even if you don't use iTunes as your podcaster of choice, I know more and more people are writing us saying, hey, I use Downcast, I use Instacast or whatever. A lot of new users find us through iTunes and those iTunes comments um, helps us to become featured by Apple and helps new people find us. And, and that's, that's really great. So if you have a moment, um, that would be great. Yeah. Thanks to, Thanks our, to sponsors. our sponsors. Go ahead. Yeah. So we had today one password from agile bits, Drobo, uh, a fantastic external drive. And, um, we had uh, Fujitsu, which makes some of the best scanners you can get for your Mac. And thanks all of them for supporting the podcast and helping us bring it to you. Uh, next week, we have a really interesting show. We're going to be talking with Glenn Fleischman, who is a, a freelance writer. He does work for Tidbits. He does work for Macworld. He does um, work. He's, he's working with Marco over on the magazine, and he is a Jeopardy champion. Yeah. And so, he's been we'll be making the rounds lately, stuff. but we're not going to talk so much about Jeopardy so much as the great stuff he does to produce on his Mac. Because that guy writes like crazy. It's amazing how much he can get out. Yeah. So. All right. All right, well, that's going to wrap us up. Thanks, David. Happy holidays. Happy holidays.